All right. Good morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I know I ask you that every week, but isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. It really is. You know, I was sitting there. You know, we preachers do strange things. After I preach first service, I usually go to my office and just kind of clear my head. And, and all of a sudden, this big rainstorm came up. And I know how Baptists feel about rain, you know. It's something about baptized again or something. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going, Lord, will they still come? And you did. And I'm glad you came. And I pray today, when you're done, when you leave here, you'll say, you know what? It's worth coming. I think I'll come back um, next week. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about the song. Uh, that blessing song. I told David, I meant to say in first service, but didn't get it quite out of my mouth. You know, there are some songs that you sing, and there are some songs you listen. And if you'll just take, the next time we sing that, if you didn't do it today, just listen. You know, they, they have something in Japan called forced bathing. Anybody heard of that? They, you know, the Japanese do kind of different things. Um, and they walk around, they, they equate walking in nature in the quietness and wonder of nature to taking a bath. And, and again, how it cleanses. That song cleanses me. It washes over me. And I think about a thousand generations, my children and their children, it washes over me. And that God is for me, not against me. I, I just love that. And I pray that psalm was a blessing to you as you sit here today ready to receive the word of God, that those thoughts will continue um, into your heart. As we talk about peace today, that will just really get into um, your heart. Well, we're in, the, we're in the third, last of the first triplet of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. And you may be looking at that title going, Dwayne, I know you struggle with titles sometime, but what exactly is deep dish peace? Well, this is an easy one. You know, again, y'all know that I, I like food a lot. And, you know, one of the things that I like about food a lot is when you have, like, deep dish food, you know. Like, I know it's probably better to say deep pan you know, pizza, but, but deep dish pizza works. And, you know, and, and that's that pizza that, you know, it's like you take one slice and it's like this thick and it's just layer upon layer of cheese and pepperoni and all that good, good stuff, okay? And it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And, and, then, there's, and then there's deep dish lasagna. I mean, there's a lasagna, you know. Some people make their lasagna and that's fine. That, you know, it's about that deep. And then some people make lasagna like that. And it's just stuff full of layer of noodles and cheese and meat and sauce and noodles and cheese and, and, and you know, it's just layers and layers of it, you know. And you're going, oh, wow. And, and then, my favorite, there's deep dish pie and cobbler. Oh, yeah, come on, come on. Can I have an amen? Can I have a witness there? You know, you get that, that pie or that cobbler and it's just, well, here's where I'm going with all of this. It's just more of the good stuff. It's more of the good stuff. But, you know, whether it's pizza or whether it's lasagna or whether it's pie or cobbler, when it's thick and deep like that, you just get more of the good stuff. Well, I understand that the world, you know, understands a little bit about peace. And we say, oh, I'm a peaceful person. But, you know, when you're talking about biblical peace, it's deep dish peace. You get more of the good stuff. And, and God is a God of deep stuff. He wants to lavishly pour upon us his deep stuff. And nowhere is that more true than we talk about peace that God gives us. Now, here's what I accidentally discovered. This was not intentional. But as I was teaching the last three weeks, when we talked about God's love, 
biblical love, if you will. And then we talked about biblical joy. And then we talked about biblical peace. What I realized and what I understood was is that these things build on each other. You know, we talked about God's love and the fact that it's unconditional and unlimited. Now, just let that soak in. Really believe that today. That God is for you and not against you. And that, that, again, as a child of God, as a Jesus follower, okay, his love is unlimited and his love is unconditional. Okay? You got that in your mind? Are you feeling it? Okay, then you move over here and shift over to this joy thing. And you know what we said about biblical joy. Biblical joy is that deep sense of well-being based on faith of Faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. And this is something I've taught you now for 18 months or two years. Okay, it keeps popping up over and over again. I'm hoping you'll reach a point where you can actually recite this, at least in your own translation uh, of, of the way it's written. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being. Now, you hang on to that just a moment because that's like the first cousin of peace. Okay, based on faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. And, you know, we're people of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And here's the deal. The more I understand how much God loves me, the more I understand that's unlimited and unconditional, the more I really begin to understand how important faith in Him and trust in His sovereign will is. That, that I can, He's a God that I can trust even in difficult circumstances. He, he's a God that doesn't make mistakes. Okay? I begin to fully understand what that means. And then, and then this, this biblical peace, okay? Uh, biblical peace is like a first cousin to joy. It's almost synonyms, if you will. They're so close together, but a little bit different. Biblical peace, like its first cousin joy, flourishes flourishes, grows. You know, Judy's a big plant grower, and I've learned I don't know much about plants. I know about mowing grass and using a weed ear, but I don't know a lot about plants. But I found out there are plants that really don't like the sun. And if you put them out in the sun, they are going to die. And then there are plants that need the sun. If you put them in shade, they're going to die. Okay? So in order for them to flourish, they've got to be in the right, the right environment. So it is with this joy thing and, and this peace thing. You know, biblical peace flourishes. It prospers. It grows where? Between the guardrails of faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Now, you remember, I think it was last week, we talked about you know, obedience to God being like guardrails in our lives. But in the first service, um, you know, I thought I'm preaching, and out of my mouth came this word, seawalls. And I realized that that was a much better illustration than guardrails. Now, imagine this. Imagine you're the children of Israel... And you're crossing through the Red Sea. And on this side is an invisible seawall. And on this side is an invisible seawall. And these two seawalls hold back whatever threatens you. And you're able to walk through in perfect peace. Well, faith in God and trust in His sovereign will are like seawalls. It enables us to walk through life. It enables us to walk through difficulty in perfect peace. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? It's very, very important we understand that because, again, the imperfect world that we live in. In John chapter 14 and verse number 27, one of the really cool verses about peace um, in the Bible, you know, Jesus says this in John 14, 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. In other words, 
Jesus is going to depart, and he says, one of the gifts I'm going to give you um, is peace. And David referenced this in a scripture reading. You know, when Jesus was born, okay, you remember the angels? Remember the angels said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Because God became flesh, okay, the declaration was there's now peace on earth. So in his birth, you know, Jesus, the peacemaker, came to live with us. And Jesus in his death brought us peace, like David said, with God. When, when Jesus died on a Roman cross similar to this, when he shed his blood, okay, then he made it possible that, that we are at odds with God and that any person who's willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not get a dose of religion, not get wet in some baptismal pool, but are willing to, to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when that happens, we are able to have peace with God. We're no longer at odds with God. We call him Abba Father, and he calls us his children. And then in his resurrection, in his resurrection, we had the peace of God. When he overcame death, when he proved he was the son of God by overcoming death, we had that peace of God. That's the peace that allows us to go through. You know, the greatest enemy is death, okay? And by defeating death, he enables us to understand that we can have peace even in this world that we live in. So, so we, can have, we can have this peace, okay, that, that he talked about. It's ours, it's ours to have. Now, he goes on and says this, peace I leave with you. And then he says, my peace I give to you. This is so rich. This is a sermon in itself. Peace I give to you. My peace I give. Jesus, what was, what was Jesus' peace? Well, you know, when the world talks about peace, they talk about lack of trouble. If life is good, I have peace. If life is bad... I don't have peace. That's just the way it is. And, you know, it's so funny. It's just true. I was doing so well, you know, like, I guess it was like Thursday night. I drove down to Judy. We went around to this pool down in Murray. And, you know, we're sitting there. And I cranked the car up, and I hear this engine noise. And, you know, this car, it's, it's like miles from home. And there's noise. I said, what is that noise, Judy? And so we got home and, and looked at it again. And, yeah, there's something to do with the fan. And, you know, instantly I lost my peace. You know, I was with Judy, and we were sitting by the pool, and there's Kentucky Lake. Life was good. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise, and my car is 110 miles from home. And I'm going, oh, what is that? And all of a sudden, this, this turmoil came up. Okay? So, so we have this situation. But, but Jesus says, my peace I give you. And his peace, are you ready? Write this down. Did not depend on circumstances. Jesus had peace, but did not depend on on circumstances. And Jesus said, that's the peace I want to give you. As my children, as a Jesus follower, as one of my followers, I don't want you. In fact, he said, I do not give you as the world gives. The world says you can have peace. If things are good, it's good. If things are bad, they're bad. I don't want you to have that. I want you to have the kind of peace that I've got, and the kind of peace I've got enables me to have peace even when things don't go well. And so he says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Say that word let. It implies there's a choice there. So, so choose choose for your heart not to be troubled or fearful. Well, how do, I, how do I choose for my heart not to be fearful or troubled? Oh, you do that by 
having faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. That's what Jesus did. And I'm kind of learning that what Jesus does, we should do. What he does, we should do. So he says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You know, in John chapter 14, just a few verses before this verse, it's the great verse where he says, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, now believe also in me. And you remember we talked oh, several weeks ago how John took, there was not a word, there's not a Greek word for the word trust. And so John combined a participle, um, a preposition, and, and, and a verb, pined them together and came up with the word. It means you trust God, now trust me. And that means to put your weight in, to believe in. Each one of you did this. Candy, you did it when you walked in today. You know, you saw that blue chair, and that's about where y'all sit every week. And you saw that blue chair, and your mind said, blue chair, sit down. It'll hold me up. You exercise that kind of faith. And you had a peace that that chair would hold you up by your experience. And that's what God wants. God wants us to experience him in such a way that we can have peace even in a troubled world. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be um, afraid. Now, the amazing thing is what Jesus faced. Jesus, I love the fact that Jesus was so practical, okay? Now, now Jesus faced betrayal, denial, and desertion. I call those, and if you might want to write this down, I call those the heartbreakers, the three heartbreakers, the, the three peace stealers. And chances are, especially number one, you know, we will experience, as we live our lives, we will experience betrayal. We're going to experience somebody denying us. And we're going to experience desertion. Jesus certainly did. You know, betrayal was Judas. You know, he spent his last evening with this guy that was six to betray him, sitting just down the table from him. And that's when Jesus said, you know, what are we going to do? Do quickly. Leave. And he left and goes, tells the, the high council of the Romans where Jesus is. You know, we're going to experience betrayal. And Jesus experienced betrayal. And he's going to have denial. His best friend, Peter. Peter, you're going to deny me. No. You see those other guys? They'll deny me, not me. Deny you, not me. And he did. He denied him three times. They knew him. And then everybody left him. Everybody left him. Now, somewhere in your life, you're going to feel that way. So you may, oh, 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 oh. So you, in your life, you may feel God did that to you. Come on, let's just be honest. He's got big shoulders. Sometimes we feel like God betrays us. Sometimes we feel like God denies us. Sometimes we feel like God deserts us. But here's the deal. Jesus not only faced that, he faced the awfulness of sin. Now, I want you to get this. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible clearly teaches that the, all the sins of the whole world. Now, that's not all the sins of the whole world for one moment in time. That's all the sins of all the people for all time was on Jesus Christ that day. In fact, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteous of God. He, he knew the awfulness of sin. He understood that. Um, he, he knew the darkness of death. I mean, he wasn't in a coma. He literally died. He stopped breathing. His heart stopped pumping. The blood stopped flowing. He knew that. But listen to this. Watch this. What he knew gave him the peace he needed. How could he face betrayal? How could he face denial? How could he face desertion? How could he face the awfulness of sin? How could he face the awfulness of death? Because what he knew gave him the peace that he needed. Well, Dwayne, what exactly does that mean? 
Well, in John 13, 3, it's one of those great verses. This is right before the foot washing, right before Judas betrays him, right before all of that. Here's what John 13, 3 says. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. In other words, Jesus knew his, his Father was in control. That whatever was going to happen in the next 30 hours of his life, which included the cross and all of that, his Father was in control. He knew that. And I love this. He knew that he had came from God. He, he had this former glory. And you know, of course, that Jesus existed in heaven before he was born in a manger. And so he knew he had come from God. He knew, he knew what he had come from. But he also knew he was going back to God. That whatever this included and whatever an empty, a full grave, a dark grave included, whatever that was, he knew this, he was going back to God. And because he knew that, he could face all that. Now, here's the deal. What's true for him is true for us. What we know, and by knowing, I mean by experience. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about heart knowledge. What we know determines our peace level. See, see, you don't understand something. Are there any Jesus followers here? Yeah, okay, I, I knew there was. I knew there was. Okay, so, so listen, you know what Jesus knew. You've got to understand your lineage. You've got to understand your birthright, your identity. If you're a Jesus follower, you are a child of God. And as a child of God, you've got his protection, you've got his power, you've got his authority, and you've got his resources. You need to know that. Because knowing that will help you with your peace. You've got to know that no matter what's coming, okay, that your father is sovereign. Now, listen to me. Not one thing is going to happen in your life that is not filtered through God. Now, I know, I know that's hard sometimes because you say, Dwayne, I, boy, I've had, some, I've had some bad deals. Yeah. But again, it's filtered through the Father. And what does it say in Romans 8, 28? All things work together for good to those who love God and are the call to coin's purpose. Yeah, yes, as, his sovereign, as the sovereign God, he, you know, you've got the assurance of knowing, you've got the peace of knowing that's at least gone through Him. And listen, your suffering is never in vain. Your suffering is never without purpose. Your circumstances, woo come on now. His, your circumstances is never without purpose. Never without purpose. You got the assurance of knowing that. And oh, 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 and you got this assurance too. Heaven's after this. Heaven's after this. We get our underwear in a wad because life isn't so good. Don't call the deacons and tell them I said that. Because life's hard. Do you understand that after your 60, 70, 80, 90 years that you get here, you've got eternity? In heaven with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Do you understand that? Do you understand? Do you understand? There's a place with no sickness, no pain, no sorrow. It's, it's, a, it's a place that we can't even imagine. That's why they wrote the song, I Can Only Imagine. It, it's crazy how good it is. And, and this is coming. And Jesus knew all that. He knew all that. So understand, understand that peace here, you know, doesn't mean the absence of trouble. Rather, it means the presence of God. Sheila Walsh said this. She's a Bible teacher. P 
Peace is not the absence of trouble. Now, again, for the world, that's true. They think as long as things are good, then they are at peace. But she says so correctly, she says, peace is not the absence of trouble, but rather the presence of God. See, somebody told you that all you had to do is trust Jesus and you'd never get sick and you'd never have sorrow and life would always be good and this and that and... And boy, you're all disappointed and mad at God because that didn't come true. Well, that's because God didn't say that. Some teacher told you that. In fact, let me tell you what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Listen to John 16, um, 33. He says, I have told you all this, that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. But take care Because I have overcome the world. That is good news. That is good news. So, so yeah, yeah. In this life, guess what? You are going to have troubles. But guess what? You'll never be without Jesus. Would you rather have... Would you rather have a world without trouble and no Jesus? Or would you rather have a world with trouble and have Jesus? Yeah. That's what she's saying. You have trouble, but you'll never be without Jesus. I promise, he said, to never leave you nor forsake you. How incredible is that? Well, how does that play out? Well, there's a scripture story in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, that is perhaps one of my favorites. And one thing cool about being the preacher and crafting these messages, I get to choose what scriptures I use. And this is absolutely one of my favorites. It's just a powerful scripture. In Mark chapter 4, verse number 35, and it teaches like peace like crazy. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the Bible says, On the same day when evening had come. Now, the same day means simply this. Jesus had taught all day. Okay? He had taught all day promises and principles and parables, teaching the people. The boys are listening. You know, he taught all day. And finally, evening came. And perhaps someone tapped Jesus on the shoulder, Terry, and said, time for this message to come to an end. Whatever reason, finally, the end was there. It was time to move on. And so here's what Jesus said to them. Now, don't take this as just a simple sentence in the Word of God. It is so much more. He said... Let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, this is so powerful. Because, see, this is not just a plan. It's not like, you know, Jesus thought for a moment and said, Okay, guys, I have this plan. And and the plan is this. We're going to go over to this side. You know, our, our goal, our goal, our plan is to go to the other side. It was so much more than that. Okay, it wasn't a prediction. It wasn't Jesus saying, okay, if everything goes according to plan, you know, I've got a GPS. And my GPS, is, I, think, I still think it's just an amazing gadget. Of all the gadgets I've got, that's just one I think is really cool. Yesterday, I was leaving uh, Murray, Kentucky, and I put in, I knew the way, but, you know, I like to know. And so I put in, you know, 217 West Poplar Street, and it tells me and said, here's the deal. You're going to arrive at 535 at 217 West Poplar Street. It predicted that I would arrive at 217 West Poplar Street at 535. Now, if the GPS could talk, it would say, however... If you have a wreck, all bets are off. If you have a flat tire, all bets are off. If the car breaks down, all bets are off. 
okay? You know, if, if things go how I think they're going to go, then you should get there. Well, Jesus didn't say, okay, guys, if everything goes as I think they will go, we're going to the other side. He didn't say that. Are you grabbing hold of this? Because trust me, it's going to matter in the end what you think of this. Okay? Now, and by the way, it wasn't even a good intention. You know, I love the song, We Serve a God of Good Intentions. Intentions applies though it may not go according to plan. You know, he, Jesus didn't say, I intend, I intend to take you to the other side. He didn't say that. See, it wasn't a plan. It wasn't a prediction. It wasn't an intention. It's a promise. It's a promise. Let's go. Let's cross over to the other side. He, he was basically saying, you're going to be in the boat with me, and we're going to the other side. And we're going to see that didn't guarantee smooth sailing, but we are going to see that's exactly what happened. You see, again, Jesus didn't promise a smooth sailing. You know, he didn't promise that there would be no storms. He didn't promise there would be any waves. He didn't promise there wouldn't be a windstorm. He just simply said, we're going to the other side. And that's why he said that in John 16, He said, listen, listen, I told you, I want you to know you can have peace. Now, don't, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You already know that. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have things that come up. But, but listen, listen, listen. You're with me. So you can have peace. You're with me. So you can have peace. Now, here's what we know. If he said it, he means it. Do you believe that today? Can I just ask you? If the Word of God says something, do you believe that? He means it. And, and if he means it, he will do it. See, I know I'm going to heaven, not because I'm a good boy, but because I've trusted the sinless son of God. And the Bible says that if I put my faith and trust in him, I'm going to heaven. And hell can't stop that. And my poor performance can't stop that. And my failures can't stop that. Grace is that powerful. He said, you're going to heaven. If he means it, he will do it. God's promises are the stones that pave the way or the path to peace. God's promises. And you got to make sure, you know this, but you got to make sure that don't be claiming promises made to Abraham and expect them to come true. Don't, don't claim promises made. But when the Bible speaks of a promise to his people as a general whole, as a whole, we can claim that promise and believe it. It is the stones that pave the path to peace. I used an illustration in, um, in first service, and, and I decided I'd better read it again. Actually, I went to a different source. Um, there, so there's this guy. Well, first off, D.L. Moody tells this story in his book, Prevailing Prayer. He tells this story. And there's a guy named Everett Storms. Isn't that appropriate? Everett Storms. He was a school teacher. And... Um, he was reading the Bible through, and he had read the Bible through 26 times, okay? On the 27th time of reading the Bible through, he decided that he would try and count the promises of God. And it turns out, according to Everett Storm's calculation, there were 7,487 promises in the Word of God directed to mankind. So a promise made by God 
to mankind. 7,487 promises. Now, I promise you, you talk to someone else and there's 6,000. You talk to someone else and there's 300. You get different numbers. But I thought it was pretty impressive that he read the Bible 26 times. And on the 27th time, he spent a year and a half going through and noting the promises of God. In fact, if D.L. Moody put it in his book, you know it's got to be good. But here's the deal. That's not what's important. You know what's important? It's not important that there's 7,487 promises. What's important is how many has he broken? How many has he broken? None. None. And that's why this is important. If he said it, he means it. If he means it, he'll do it. And that's why God's promises are the stones that pave the path to peace. If you, as you walk and, and claim the promises of God that are to us, you walk the path of peace. How powerful is that? Well, the Bible keeps going and says this in verse number 36. Now, when they had left the multitude... They took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And I kind of wondered, you know, what does that mean? And it turns out it's one of those times when Jesus was teaching from the boat. And so here's the, you know, the boys may have been in the boat, obviously, and then the crowd was here, and Jesus teaches all day. So finally they said, well, it's time to go. And so maybe the disciples said, thank y'all for coming to church today. We appreciate it. It's time for us to go. See y'all later. And they pull up the anchor and they leave. They just took him as he was in the boat. He was already in the boat. And they left the multitude there. And there are other, as you, you've seen sometimes, there are other little boats that were around. So you had this multitude on the shore. You had several little boats around. And they just said, it's time to go. And they went. But here, look at verse 37. And, and, and a great windstorm. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it's already feeling. This is so good. This is so good. Now, the windstorm, and y'all know, have you ever been watching the Weather Channel or something that says there's a lake wind advisory? See, when the waves, when the wind is blowing the way, the water, it makes waves. So, so they said here, they got out not too far from shore, okay, and a great windstorm arose. So the wind started blowing, okay? That was the source. And the waves beat into the boat. The waves were the threat. The wind was the source. The waves were the threat. And, and it was so bad that, that the, it, the boat was already filling. Now, this is so important. I heard it said one time. I thought this was kind of cute. You know, they say a boat is a hole in the water that you pour money into. Isn't that good? And it's true. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. In this case, okay, it wasn't money that was going into the boat. It was water. Now, I don't know a lot about boats. I don't know a lot about sailing. But the whole idea of a boat is to not let what's on the outside Get on the inside. You don't, you don't want water that's outside of a boat to get in the boat because what happens? You sink. Ask the Titanic. You sink. No matter how big the boat is, you sink. Well, here's the deal. We get in trouble spiritually 
When we allow what is on the outside to get on the inside. That's when we get... When we internalize... This is almost good. When we internalize what is on the outside and allow it in, we get in trouble. We get in trouble. See, 2020... Really, 2020 was a a great opportunity. You know, I don't think I said this, but basically the reason why they run into a storm, well, one, Satan hated it, okay, hated Jesus. But secondly is the reason Jesus allowed the storm was those boys need the opportunity to practice what they learned. And I really think part of 2020 was, you know, it was the source, okay? And and the COVID-19 was the source, okay? And it caused a lot of trouble. It caused a lot of waves, Okay, there were there were jobs lost. People were sick and dying. Okay, jobs were lost. Um, um, it was just crazy. Economy shut down. You know, parents went crazy trying to take care of their kids. Can I have an amen there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, and don't feel bad because the boys sat under a full day of teaching with Jesus. And they didn't get it. So don't feel bad. But, but the bottom line is, we allowed what was on the outside to get on the inside. That's why so many of us were fearful. Because we allowed the waves caused by the COVID, the, the loss of jobs, churches shut down, all that mess, we internalized it. And when you internalize what's meant to be on the outside you start to sink. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So, so what's happening here is these waves are there. All right, they're beating into the boat so that it was about to take the boat under. See, keep in mind, the promise, the promise was for a safe arrival. Okay? Storms aren't obstacles, but opportunities to experience God's power and peace. Trust Him. We wrestled with this in 2020. And we're wrestling with it in 2021. And I'm not a prophet, but I'll tell you what. We're going to wrestle with it in 2022. Because it's a constant battle for us. We've got to stop seeing storms as obstacles. But hey, this is an opportunity for me to experience God's power and peace. I need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. Okay? You know, we were sitting down at the pool the same day the car was in trouble. And um, I mean, we're sitting there. We got in the pool maybe five minutes. And all of a sudden... Bam! This like 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 loud, close lightning, thunder thing happened. And I looked at Jesus, she looked at me, you didn't have to tell us to get out of the pool. We were out, everybody's heading toward, and we sat under this portico, uh, you know, roof open roof thing, and we're sitting there and this huge storm just developed right over us. And there was lightning and thunder. And being a southern boy, I grew up on that. I, when a thunderstorm came in Florida, I would get on the, on the bree- what do you call the breezeway, the porch there that ran between the garage and the house. And I would just get there, man, and I would watch the lightning and watch the thunder and the wind blow. It was just way cool. Well, this was way cool for me, this storm that popped up. You know why? I saw the power of God. I honestly can tell you this. In fact, I wanted to sit near the edge, and she said, we better move in a little bit. I didn't see the danger or the threat. I saw the power of God. As we, Joe, as we journey through life, we've got to not see the threat or the danger. We've got to see the power of God. He just is in control. Will it be easy? No. Will it be painless? No. 
but he is sovereign and he's in control. Well, in verse 38, you've got to love this. <laughs> the Bible simply says this. Here's the wind blowing. The waves are thrashing. What is supposed to be on the outside is trying to get on the inside. It's not good. And what has he done? He's asleep. The Bible says he was in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. Now, let me tell you what that was and what it wasn't. What it was, it was his humanity. I'm glad we've got a Savior who got tired. I'm glad i got a Savior, the Bible says, who was tempted in all points like I am without sin. I've got a Savior who knows how I feel. I've got a Savior who knows how I struggle. I'm glad for that. But let me tell you what it wasn't. It was not neglect. Don't you dare sit there and say, Oh, well, he was asleep while the boys were struggling. He's in the same boat. He's at peace. It's his sovereignty. It's his sovereignty. See, his nap was not a sign of neglect, but rather a sign of who was in control. And I hope you like this. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole sermon. Even asleep, Satan's best effort was no match for the Son of God. Yeah, you just got like that. See, I want you to really, I want you to take that home today. That no matter how big the storm is in your life, no matter how threatening the winds and the lightning and the thunder in your life, just remember this. When Jesus was in his physical form asleep, Satan was no match. And now he's awake. It's game over, baby. It's game over. Our God is God. Our Savior is Savior. The captain of the sea is at the helm, and we've got nothing. We've got nothing to fear. We've got nothing, nothing to fear. So, in verse 38, the second part, the Bible says, and I, you would and I would, they ran back to him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? The big thing that God showed me in this little scripture that I don't think I've ever taught before is that word we. Do you not care that we are perishing? See, if that word we is the boys, the boys, then all of a sudden that seems pretty selfish of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I know you're the son of God. You've got this. You're not going to drown, but what about us? You ever thought about God like that? Oh, sure, God, you're, you're up there in heaven, all nip and all powerful. But what about me? I'm drowning. You don't have a selfish God. They didn't have a selfish Savior, and you don't have a selfish God. And if the we included Jesus, like, like hey, Jesus, do you not care that we, you know, me and you, us, are going to drown? That shows they didn't understand the power of the guy in the boat with them. Let me say that again. They didn't understand the power of the man in the boat with them. And perhaps that's the problem today. We don't understand the power of the man who's in the boat with us. Ooh. Ooh. Do you not care that we're going to perish? See, when we take our eyes off of God and put them on the thing we fear... We start to sink. 
You know, ask Peter. Peter got out of the boat one time, walked on water, and the Bible says as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. And as soon as, soon as we take our eyes off God and put them on the thing we fear, we know this is what happened. This is what happens in our life. It, it certainly happened to most of us at some point or another in 2020. And it will happen to most of us this year sometime. And it will probably happen next year sometime. So we've got to learn the lesson that we've got to keep our eyes on God and not on the thing we fear. Our peace flees when we take our eyes off God and put them on the thing we fear. You know, Paul wrote a great verse. Um, The Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 8, verse 6. And it says this. So letting, and let's put the word allowing. So allowing your sinful nature to control your mind leads to death. What's going to die? Your peace, your faith, your confident assurance in God. So, so when we allow your sinful nature to control your mind, it leads to death. But, 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 letting or allowing the spirit to control your mind leads to life and peace. It's our call. It's our choice. See, this, this Jesus thing is just not a casual thing. Again, they were in school in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the sea learning about faith and trust in God. And every day we're in school learning about faith and trust in God. That's why it's got to be one of the most important, the most important thing in our life. Which one are we going to do? Are we going to let your simple nature control or the spirit control? Which one? Well, the Bible says, you know, they went back and woke him up. Remember that? In Mark chapter 4, verse 39. So he arose, he arose and rebuked, ordered, commanded, instructed the wind and said to the sea. He said, He said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now, I want you to look at me. I want you to get this. This is not hypothetical. This is, Denzel, this is not Jesus saying, I want to tell you a parable. This is a real historical fact. If you believe the word of God as the word of God, this really happened. So let me play it out for you. He gets up and he rebukes the source. He rebukes the source and commands the threat and both succumbed. Here's what, here's how it plays out in the Greek. And I'm not a Greek expert. I try to read commentaries and pick up tidbits. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. When the Bible says he rebuked the wind instantaneously. Somebody say instantaneously. Yeah, yeah. Instantaneously the wind stopped. I got, I got one of those, you know, my air conditioner died, so I got the privilege of buying a new one. Boy, that was fun. Um, you know, but, but the new technology is this. You know, when the fan comes on, it kind of starts slow until it gets to full speed. It's nice and... And then when it stops, it goes... Well, that's normal. You know, when you have a storm, the, you, the wind's blowing, all of a sudden it lags, slacks up, and maybe in an hour or so it's calm. That's the way nature works. It wasn't the way God worked. According to the Greek, literally, the wind stopped. He said, stop! And buddy, it stopped. But that's not the cool part. The cool part was the threat, the waves. Remember, this is not hypothetical. This is the book. And literally in the Greek, it says this. One minute, there were threatening waves. 
And next minute, the lake was like a mirror. Somebody say, man. That's kind of God. See, that's the kind of God you serve. It's no big deal for Jesus. It's no, you know, you know, seven days he created everything. He could have done it like that. You serve an almighty, powerful God. And he simply spoke and the waves stopped. Peace, be still. And it was. And it was. So he ripped the source. He commanded the threat and both succumbed. That's what He wants to do in our lives. He wants us to trust Him. And sometimes, you know, sometimes He'll let the storm rage on and sometimes He'll stop instantaneously. Sometimes, again, the solution may not come until a place called heaven. But regardless, He can be trusted. He can be trusted. So let's close with this. God wants, God wants to give you peace. God wants to give you peace. Um, he, he wants, He wants through the Holy Spirit to give you peace. He wants you to have it, and He's made a way for us to do it through the Holy Spirit. He will provide peace for each believer. And remember this. Biblical peace flourishes. That's one of those play on words I like to do. Biblical peace flourishes when our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will does the same. So you say, Dwayne, I would like to have more peace in my life. I'm afraid. I'm afraid the stock market's going to crash. I'm going to lose my retirement. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid the economy won't bounce back. This new variant with the Delta variant with the COVID, is that thing going to be an issue in our community? Are they going to shut down the schools again? Will they open this fall? Dwayne, The greater your faith in God and trust in His sovereign will, the greater your peace. Now this, see, it's, isn't that simple? The greater your faith in God, the greater your trust in His sovereign will. And let me, I'm not really defining it. His sovereign will is He's calling the shots, not you. It's his deal, not your deal. Okay? So faith in God and trust in Solomon Bill, your peace will flourish in that. They didn't get this in first service. So if we have little or no faith and little or no trust in his sovereign will, you know what the outcome is? Fear. We live in fear like the rest of the world. We have the privilege of trusting this incredible God who loved us so much. So much he did this. So much he did this. Would you bow your heads, please, where you are? In just a moment, we're going to sing It Is Well With My Soul. It's a beautiful song about peace, about a man who went through the worst storm probably a human can go through and is able to say, It Is Well With My Soul. And today, if you're here, maybe you've never experienced the peace with God. Maybe you and God are still at odds. Well, I just want to tell you that He wants so much for you to come to relationship and call Him Father. And it happens through the death of Jesus Christ, His Son, and His resurrection. That if we'll believe that Jesus is who He said He was and did what He said He would do, that if we'll by faith believe that, He will. He will forgive us and we can choose to follow Him. We've got to turn from our sin, but we choose to follow him.
Maybe you're here today, and life has been hard for you. Not just COVID. That was hard, wasn't it? Can we be honest? It was frightful. People we loved got very sick and some died. It was difficult. But it's not just COVID, is it? It's the fears we talk about every day. It's fears we talk about every day. My faith in God and trust in His sovereign will will give me the peace to walk through there. Remember what Jesus knew carried him through with peace. I hope today, if you need to, maybe come to the altar and pray. Maybe pray right where you are and say, God, you know my heart. I'm scared. I'm just scared. Help me to have faith in you. Help me to trust you so that I can have your peace. That's what God wants and the Holy Spirit has given. So God, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing this. Help us to live it, Father. I don't want these nine weeks of summer to be just some things we enjoyed listening to or perhaps helped us for the moment, but may they be a life-changing event in us. Thank you for your incredible love, God. Thank you for your incredible joy. And now thank you for your incredible peace. This time of decision is yours. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.